The following is a production of Role Playing Public Radio, slangdesign.com slash RPPR. But since you're listening to that, you knew it. You yep. knew it all the time. Yes, you've always known it, baby. And don't let anyone ever hold you back. Okay, let's stop that right now. <laughs> all right, uh, this is RPPR's uh, second episode uh, when games implode, uh, we're going to be talking about why games uh, screw up, why they implode, why they go bad. Not actually physically imploding, but you know. I don't know. I heard about this one game, you know. Wow. You, can't, you can't believe what you see on the internet. I can and I will. Fine. Just um, do that. Anyways, first off, I'd like to give a, a, a few shout outs to our fans, all 17 of you, according to FeedBurner. Uh, there's probably at least a few more of you. Uh, Ethan Daw, he's been uh, hanging out with us for a while now. So, how you doing, Ethan? And then uh, Jeff uh, Grainer, Gurner, I know I'm mispronouncing your name. Uh, Way from- to go, Ross. Way to be respectful to the fans. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways, he is a uh, got his own podcast, The Tome. Uh, the Tome Show. We'll put a link up on it on our website. And... Uh, he sent us a really great email, and uh, so, how you doing out there? So, We're just fine, I'm guessing I was are. talking to Jeff. Oh, f- oh, you never talked to me. Well, it was a shout-out. Do you understand the concept of a shout-out? Maybe I do. You're... Anyway, thank you. You, you are one. listen to hip-hop. You are one of us. The hip- hippity-hop. All right, anyways, um... So we're going to be talking about these, uh, screw-ups of games. How games get screwed up. Um, and screw-up they do get... Yeah, um, in general, I've found over my years of gaming that they tend to screw up mostly because of the GM more than anything else. Uh, If you're a player, you can screw up a game, but it's easy to kick a player out, and if you don't have a GM, though, there's no game. It takes multiple players to make a failure, and just one GM to fail. Um, So I think there are three major categories that can screw up. Um, storytelling is the first. Games are stories, so that is very important. You really, really do need a narrative sense inside the game, and um, if you if you break any of the rules that are in you know traditional storytelling formats, it, it still screws up. Um, games, yeah, games are choose your own adventure, not novels. <laughs> well, uh, the thing is, they they still have some similarities though. Like uh, for storytelling i i like to bring up this one riffs game you ran when you were in high school uh we both were in high school and uh it was a kind of a screw-up high school games are a special brand of hell yes they are (laughs) anyways um the reason it was so bad uh i think was you had this npc with this um special weapon he was a weapons designer i remember yeah okay and he had this like super mega can and something he was trying to sell it to uh some criminal group i forget which one take your pick (laughs) anyways and in order to prove how powerful his weapon is he takes our pcs out and he blows up a death's head transport with it and in riffs that's worth two billion credits which is a lot of money in riffs and this is back in before source book you know 500 was that yes i know this was book one yeah and it was you know it had more mdc so therefore it was obviously better and um it was uh at least it was easy to tell i just couldn't believe that this guy would you know he's wanting to make a lot of money he'd blow up a two billion piece uh, two billion credit piece of hardware to uh make his point and uh after that i was like this game is unrealistic which is still kind of stupid because riffs is granted i should have explained where the Death's Head transport came from, how he acquired it. And why I, he was blowing it up. 
I suppose it, I mean, it was to Why prove, did he blow it up? Just to prove the power of the weapon, there are easier ways to do that. <laughs> yes. Like the Dragon Ball Z approach, just blow up a mountain or something. Or a city, or, or a bunch of DBs, or I can't remember, I still remember the term DB for dimensional being. Anyways. Way to uh, go, man. But yeah. I mean, in, Riffs is the the uh, the kitchen sink of adolescent power fantasies because you really have everything from, you know, soul sucking, god killing rune swords, ninjas, ninjas to being a ninja in a giant robot with it's a, also a ninja, um, a soul sucking, god killing rune sword, ninja. Yes, I'm just adding ninja to everything you, you say, and you can, and um, and you can add techno wizard crap and cyborgs and magic and everything and you had to blow up this incredible piece of death you know destroying death dealing of what? yes a beautiful coalition craftsmanship i get yeah. that why couldn't he just give it to the pcs i don't know ross i was in high school yeah yeah anyways that brings us to our and high school is our segue to our next point uh, fairness and maturity i think this oh is <laughs> probably out of the three the biggest reason why games implode and uh it's a uh, it's a big one. If you're in high school, you and if you gamed in high school, you know this already. But um, we're gonna go over it anyways. Um, you, high school is a very Darwinian society. Yeah, and so um, mixed in with a bunch of atavistic crap too. Yeah, but you really have to have some sort of level of fairness of maturity between all the gamers. Otherwise it really degenerates and the GM or other favored players will just play hell with the, the, the weaker members of the herd, which brings us to the fantasy 2000 days of high school. Yes. Fantasy 2000 was a homebrew game by some of our uh, friends slightly higher up on the social totem pole. Um, Jared and Chris. Yeah. Jared was the GM. Chris was his favorite. Um, and well, they both ran the game, though. I remember well, that. Well, off and on. Yeah, they Jared they took turns because they one would run the game, the other would have his powered character, super awesome character. Do well, do whatever yeah. he wanted. Like I remember, Chris's PC had like ten magic rings, one for each finger, and each was like incredibly powerful and all this other crap. Okay, I know this is off the subject, but I want to take this moment to say. That game made me despise Kinder as a race. That's right. That's what Kinder, uh, that's what Chris's character was. He was a Kinder. Yes, and, and he, uh, uh, it made me despise them from now until Because since we were slightly lower on the social totem pole, we were all geeks, so we weren't like that high up, but we were, you know... Um, Within our own geek society. We were in, sort of in the middle, um, and Chris and Jared would use this to... Uh, show that they were the alpha geeks by pulling pranks on us and yeah. having I mean, our characters humiliated. The and same that sort way of elementary kids in the '80s would be the badass by having uh, the USS flag from GI Joe. But we weren't as bad as uh, we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. But the main thing, I, the first thing I remember is the how like my character who is this wolf lord necromancer fighter type. Uh, got he wanted to be a lich. He got to be a lich, you and actually, then I was. Did you actually have to work for it to get it become yeah, a lich? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do, and uh, even yeah. in that game, and I was deliched. Some demon yeah. deliched me. I once again, I'd like to repeat that for those <laughs> listeners out there, deliching. Yeah, you're not going to look that up and find it in any dictionary. I me. I think it's the first in any RPG ever. I don't think any lich has ever been deliched. Not destroyed. I was turned back to. My living state. I was turned back into my previous character. Um, Which, um, yeah, I think that's going to be a first in the annals of gaming history. Yeah. Go uh, ahead and email us if you have similar deliching, you know, stories. We could start a uh, support group. That's right. Um, 
But uh, it's a group for the formerly undead. <laughs> well, not undead, lich, because you can. Uh, there's plenty of stories of vampires, you know, turning back to people well, okay, and being so redeemed. But former, liches, the, like society of former liches, liches aren't cursed. They want to be liches. They have to try and be liches. It's hard to be a lich. Yeah, that's a decision you have to mull over. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a long-term goal. It's not like you wake up, you turn into a lich. It's like I, this is. You know, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, I'm going to be a lich. And it's not something you can exactly walk away from afterwards. No. it's a, it, Yeah. Anyways. If you suddenly decide you don't want to be one, you're screwed. Yeah. Anyway, um, but again, on the fairness maturity thing, um, Tom Feller, he was another player. He was at the bottom. He was Him and Dan, another guy named Daniel, they were at the very, very bottom. They were, yes. And uh, of all social, social totem poles. And uh, Tom, he just got shat upon sometimes literally like a dragon would fly overhead that turned out to be a running joke as uh well, it was a running joke for the rest of us for him it was a daily occurrence yeah he would just get his character uh shat upon uh, get humiliated as a dragon and, would shit on his character and to, you know yes to be honest he was a bit a lot of it he was a doormat in high school yeah he was very passive he wasn't even aggressive about it either he was he just, just he just took it and like yeah yeah it's tom it's my time and time then there was daniel on. but daniel was the kind of guy you you just like loathed he was just uh the guy i remember later on you tell me about how he'd brag he'd lied about being an army badass and all this other stuff yes and that when he came home he got to keep his m16 with the grenade launcher attachment yeah so he's the kind of you know lying kind of just person you just don't want to be around because he was so he got shat upon too but he really deserved it because he was just tom feller was a nice kid yeah he was a guy he was a nice guy um didn't his family move to mexico yeah, for a while. They've moved back since. Really? Interesting. If you're listening out there, Tom Feller, we understand. And we are sorry <laughs> right. for any part we may have had in it, but it was high school and we were just glad. Yeah, to... we just want to talk to you, uh, yeah. to a bunch of people on the internet. But come <laughs> We're on. good friends. Like, but come on, we were not at the bottom and we liked it that way. It yeah. was high school. Exactly. Um, so, uh, another side story on Fairness Maturity. This was uh, Jared after high school. I played in one or two sessions yeah, this, it, this is a maturity issue, by the way. Yeah, maturity. Um, at this guy's apartment, and it was an interesting environment to play in because first the the walls were all plastered with porn. I mean, like porn magazine pinups and all that other stuff. I mean, it's it was kind of slightly surreal because I've never seen anything before or since. A wall-to-wall porn collage. Yeah, a pornocopia. Uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, and then everyone chain smoked, just tobacco, but just lots of smoking. I was basically the only one who didn't smoke. And, Might uh, as well have been afterwards. One of the players had a girlfriend, um, the kind of girlfriend who'd wear Montley Crew t-shirts mm. in the 90s, and um, had a 10-year-old kid in the back room playing PlayStation 1, Castlevania, I remember that. Uh, and he was surrounded by porn on all sides, and he was just playing a game. I was just, it was, it was words in the back. still you, fail me. I don't know how to just how to describe my feelings mind, toward it. It was in your mind the whole time. I just, I really don't know how to describe my feelings toward it. I, I just, like, it, it wasn't like shock as it's like a weird numbness, amalgam of shock and bewilderment, and yeah, um. Do you, do you need someone to cry on? No, it's 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 more like a curiosity, kind of like a rubbernecking thing. Only I was like involved in the wreck, and the, I the, I the, wasn't hurt by it. The, so I'm the, looking... the kind of thing you write a thesis on. <laughs> not not that, but it wasn't that. It's just a weird side note in my life. Um, 
<laughs> yeah. And um, the game, I don't remember much about the game except two of the players, like um, an, a couple, um, and like the girl would brag about how she was a great role player, how she hated hack and slash playing. And then later on, she would brag about her character being a centaur fighter, uh, dual wielding a great sword and a flail. I think it was, or a great two, like normally two handed weapons, but her, her centaur was so strong. He could do it or she could do it. And, um, I've been there. That was second edition days too. AD and D. Yeah. Yes. Um, like it was 1999, 2000, right before third ed came out. So, um, I just, it's, it, words really do fail me. The kind of, it's the kind of game where you have to go to a steak and shake afterward and just talk about it. (laughs) Or some all night diner. For those of you who don't know what steak and shake is, I don't know where you guys live. Um, don't tell us either. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, so on to our third point, uh, which would be gaming. Gaming itself in the sense of uh, games can implode because of the game mechanics because the or because the GM doesn't understand that it's a nonlinear story that the players have some control over what goes on or there's no control whatsoever. You know, railroading at one end or plotless at the other and game mechanics that totally screw up that fail to get across something that's fun. Uh, and there have been a lot of games like that. Well, that we've Especially been in our 20-some-odd years of gaming. Yeah, I mean, um, personally, I have to admit, I ran, I've run a couple of pretty bad games. The the one that really comes to mind is right after the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Um, so you can imagine how screwed up we, are, we were already. Uh, well, it's a popular movie, Tom. A lot of people... Anyway. Well, I mean... Game wise, yeah. come on! You watch you watch something or read something that really gets to you, and you have a game a days afterwards. It's gonna affect it. <laughs> well, yeah, I like, remember in riffs we were. Uh, I remember one of my friends uh, running a game with the aliens in it, the from the movie Aliens, and yes. we were blowing them up. It was fun. And I also remembered even just more recently, I had a game, I had a White Wolf game to run, and I had just watched Die Hard Four. <laughs> so. It can, I don't. I made it happen in a White Wolf game that there was a truck with a fighter plane chasing it. All right, I did it. Um, so I mean, so that's not bad. But okay, so I was running a pirates game. And to be honest, you didn't really want to do this. This was requested from you. But yeah. I believe more Andy and myself than anyone else. Okay. Yeah. So, it, but there really wasn't a good pirate game at the time. Um, this was well, like there was Seven Seas or whatever that. Yeah, but nobody knew it. I wasn't going to buy a book just to get it. I was. I mean, we'd have to have at least two players, guys. I mean, so we knew D and D third ed. Boy, did we know it. So yeah. so that's what I was going to use. So I got some books, some source books. I pieced together a pirate game, and I based it in the real world, like a historical pirate age type thing. Except there's magic for some reason, and elves and some shit. Oh, the no, the elves are like French or something. Yes, every like, all the all the races were basically nationalities of people yeah i think i made the americans you know knolls or something way to go i know i'm playing against type anyways um so what i did is i uh had them they had to go around the world the the king and queen said we started in london i believe yeah sail around the world first one to get back wins a whole lot of gold and something like that your player characters do it so uh they get to mexico 
Um, and I basically have them interact with the Aztecs, and they say, "Well, our God Quetzalcoatl will pick up your ship and put it in, pick it up in the Atlantic Ocean, and put it in the Pacific Ocean if you do this and this and this for us." For the record, the people were our players were very impressed that Ross knew how to pronounce that God's name, Quetzalcoatl. Yeah. There you go. See, this is why gaming is great because you learn what words like Quetzalcoatl is. Exactly. And Avatar. Or Zeppelins. Yes. <laughs> That's a story for another oh, time. Oh, man. Do we know about Zeppelins? Anyway. Um, but yes, I, I forget through many misadventures. And actually, yeah, and we got the Aztecs and did what they wanted us to. I forget what it was. Yeah, so do I. It was fun, though, and everybody was into the game at that point. I was really sort of pleased with myself, and I said, and the great hand comes out of the sky, picks your damn ship up, and plunks it over in the Pacific Ocean, or some words yes. to that effect. Uh, Quetzalcoatl lifted our ship and lifted it over the Isthmus of Panama into the Pacific Ocean. Yay! And they were like, all right, we win! And I was like, um, no, um... No, you have to get treasure, and you have to keep doing stuff, and you might still lose. And that's when the game imploded, because everyone... We thought... We won. Well, we won. Well, we... Yeah, because yeah, there's no way the other ships... They had to sail all around South America that's in order right. to catch they, up to us. They had, they had to contend with Cape Horn. Yeah. In D&D, there's probably, you know... Or... Dragon turtles and... Yeah, dragon turtles, yeah. And sea works. Krakens. Yeah, see, or, yeah, Kraken. Yeah, there you go. Um, and this was before Pirates too, so Krakens would have been a novel idea. Oh yeah, good there point. There we go. Yeah, um, and they just, they just, like I did one session where they got to China, and but by this time you could, everyone you could tell that yeah, they were everyone was just they just like I betrayed them because I just I changed the rules of the game midstream. I, I it was sort of a bait and switch kind of deal, and I realized I screwed that up, and I still feel like ah I could have done that. I should have just I didn't want them to just win because of that. I wanted to drag it out. I wanted I I thought I had to you know hit every I don't know. I just I just wasn't I was inflexible and I wouldn't budge. So um, yeah, um, that's my big screw up or one of them. And next up, we have Tom with Letters from Tom. You all love it. You know it. Let me hear it. I'll, I'll assume that you're cheering right now. Okay. Dear Tiamat, let me just tell you that the whole time I churned out this little opus of a letter, I was wearing my sad face, which many have described as sublime and mournful, in a sort of Marcel Marceau sort of way. I used to love you. Not in the way that one person loves another, but in the way a hopeless D&D geek loves a horrible dark dragon goddess. You filled my heart with joy, and filled the many campaigns I have taken part in over the years with horrific bloodthirsty monsters of draconic origin that showered my party members with acidic vapor and flaming death. You represented everything that was vile and horrific in the dragon world, and were always with me like a feeling of brooding dread whenever I would venture into a dark dungeon and hear the sounds of deep breathing and the smell of uh, sulfur on, in the air. We will always have those memories. However, I feel that the love-terror relationship we have shared has become tainted with revelation of the most emo sort. I have recently purchased the book Races of Dragon, and I was shocked by the rumors contained therein. 
Imagine my disappointment when I read that the whole reason you seek to punish the planes by spreading your horrific draconic spawn throughout creation was simply to get payback on your brother Bahamut because you felt your father Io loved him more than he loved you. You should be better than that. You are a being of truly ancient power, so I find this whole spoiled princess routine hardly becoming. You murdered your retarded brother Voril and tried to blame Bahamut all in an attempt to get daddy to like you best. I expect this kind of behavior from half-dragons, both good and evil, trying to get back at their chromatic parents or trying to impress their metallic ones, but not from the queen of all evil dragon kind. While I would prefer to keep our relationship on a purely adventurer villain standing, this petulant temper tantrum must stop. Therefore, I offer this bit of advice from a totally uneducated and unqualified friend. Stop it. That's it. Just stop it. Consider it a 12-step approach condensed to one step. Your father likes you for who you are. That's why he made you an evil monstrosity with five chromatic heads. Bahamut was created as a total do-gooder, dedicated to the caring and helping of other races, and being the lord of metallic dragons. He doesn't seek daddy's approval because he is doing what he was meant to do, and that is reward enough for him. Your job is to be the counter to him, leading the chromatic dragons and spreading evil and chaos. Just do what you were meant to do. You're already doing fine, and believe me, daddy loves you for that. After all, isn't that the greatest wish for a parent, to see his children succeed? Another positive step might be for you to finally bury the hatchet with your brother. Just get together and tell him that you're sorry for killing your retarded brother and blaming him for it. It would be a good therapy for both of you, and you could then get back to what's really important, spawning draconic monstrosities and killing off helpless adventurers like myself. It will be just like it is now, only without all that emotional baggage. After all, we don't want you spreading death and evil because daddy exiled you. We want you spreading death and evil because you fucking like it. Sincerely, Tom. All right. Back in a sec. And we're back. Um, that was letters from me. Yes, Tom. Letters from Tom. Yes. It's not letters from me because letters from Ross doesn't make any sense. You can't write letters. I know. Um, the state won't no, let me. Not since the incident. No. Let's not speak of that. Um, I would like to talk next about a project uh, I am currently coordinating, sort of setting up right now. Um, some of you might know the Eye of Argon, which is a particularly great story of fantasy classic of fantasy literature and um well if you've been to our our site yeah you should, will, should probably would have seen our record the recordings of it yeah i am working on an audiobook of it i will finish it i will upload the next time you see the eye of argon as a recording on this show it will be the full thing i'm just going to record the rest of it in one go uh cook it all together with the stuff i've already recorded and put it up on there but that's not what i'm here to talk about what i'm talking about here is the comic book the web comic uh, Eye of Argon Project, which uh, I've also posted on the site. I just want to let you uh, readers out or listeners out there know. Um, well, Ross, tell us about this project. Yes. Um, as you, you might know, I am a member of the Something Awful community, uh, somethingawful.com. And uh, on there, they have a comic book forum called Batman's Sh- uh, Shameful Secret. Uh, Shameful Secret. Uh, I can't say words. Anyways, explain uh, this for us, Ross. <laughs> Anyways, well, this is a this forum talk. They have a lot of webcomic artists on there, like Doctor McNinja, uh, Templar Arizona, the Akewood guy, Chris Onstead. Um, 
anyways, a lot of there's so there's a lot of wannabe artists and a lot of real artists and writers, and I'm getting a lot of as many of them together as I can so we can transform the eye of Argon from a classic fantasy literature to a classic webcomic that all on the internet can see and enjoy. So a new generation can discover discover the uh, adventures of Grignor. Holy shit. I crapped my pants, Ross. Yeah. So if you uh, are interested in either drawing for the Eye of Argon or if you're a writer who's willing to uh, adapt some of the work into a comic book format, if you're familiar with the comic book scripting, uh, format and all that jazz. Uh, send uh, post a comment. Send me an email. And because and let us just smoke say signals. That, let us just say that no one at RPPR can draw. <laughs> Let's just make that clear yeah. right now. Well, not yeah here. That's why we're calling on other artists. We need you, board artists who want to draw mighty hued uh, uh, barbarians with uh, you know big muscles and. Hairy arms and... We need you more than you need us. Believe me. <laughs> so it'll be a lot of fun. Um, get your name up on the internet and uh, all that's that. That's what this is all about. Yeah, basically. So that's... that's. I'll give you updates on the next show. Let you know how you guys... Uh, it's going. We've already uh, got a couple sketches uh, on something off a list. I'll post them on the uh, website pretty soon. They've got some pretty talented artists. So they're going for sort of a Jack Kirby... Meets Rob Leefield kind of look. It's uh, it, it you don't know who either of those are, dude. This is to prove that Ross has studied. Yes, yes. <laughs> I've Argon. Anyways, um, next up we have, of course, our fam- the gaming an- anecdotes, gaming stories. Certainly uh, nothing original, for, you know, that we thought of, but yeah. everyone has them. Um, this week we like to talk. Uh, actually, a couple of them because uh, going along with our game implosions. Um, we have a friend Matt Howell who ran several games that we were both in over the over the three years. He's of, uh, off in grad school now, and yeah. uh, over three years of undergrad school, we went yeah. to we went to his games every week. Yeah, and he's a good guy. He was a pretty good player. Um, his well, game, he, well, he was GM pretty much all the his time. His games never imploded. They all they pretty much all lasted the entire way. Uh, but. It, they so they didn't implode, but they there were some fun times in them because well, it allowed for some hilarity to transpire. Yeah. Matt, his only weakness was really he he didn't make the game very challenging. Well, you were never in danger of being seriously harmed. Yeah, I don't think he. I think he maybe killed. I don't even think he killed a single. Well, I, well the one day where he told us the first thing, this session, someone will die, and that person didn't die. No, he didn't. Yeah. Uh, and the look of frustration was uh, <laughs> was great. It truly was. Yeah, it was fun. It was uh, sublime. I remember... Um, so we're, we'll just talk about some of the highlights of the different games. And um, I believe it, the first one was a Star Wars game. Star Wars D20, I believe, was the that first one. That was one of them, yeah. Then there was a D&D game. Uh, there was also a Battletech game. That was a Battletech game. And then there was a... a top game Top Secret. Top Secret, yeah. But he put it on Mars. Yes, it... But it used the top secret rules. Um, the thing I remember, the Battletech game, I think that was the one where he said someone is going to die. Yes, he did. And uh, he had his fight, not in our mechs, but, you know, as normal people. For the record, don't play the fighter pilot in <laughs> Battletech. Uh, because it takes you six rounds just to get into attack position. And if you miss, you have to wait another six rounds to get another shot. So no. uh, just don't do that. Yeah. Um, at any rate, uh, so we were like, went and found this warehouse where this bad guy is and he's this super bad guy and he's going to kill fight us all. And we think, 
we got initiative on him, like two or three of us did. And in the first round of combat, we got like three critical hits on him, two or three critical hits. It was three, three critical hits. And we just dropped him like in one round before he could even act. Or I think he maybe he rolled and he swung and he missed. But it was like, I'm the big badass. And the they we just piled on the critical hits. And uh, Which is, he that's died. a lesson. If you have an NPC that's supposed to be really important, don't blithely throw him into combat. Don't never, if you want to keep an NPC alive, don't have him fight the PCs uh, when he's alone. Always make sure the PCs are outnumbered because if yeah. the PCs all focus on a single guy for some damn reason, they will always roll their critical hits right there. And if that guy's in danger, you're going to have to resort to the GM Fiat. <laughs> like, um, no, he's not he, dead. He throws a smoke bomb and disappears like Batman. <laughs> like Master Ninja. But yeah, that can piss players off. Yeah, so... But that's just one moment, but the moments that really came didn't take place in the Battletech game. It was in the other three. Yeah, yeah. Um, I th- it started with uh, it started with the Star Wars game. Yeah, where you were playing a Keldor Jedi, I believe. I was playing a Jedi. Yeah, I guess I was Keldor. I don't remember. And I was playing a Trandoshan noble who was a musician. Yeah, and we broke the rules. We br- no, no, we you didn't. you we broke the rules. I was just a jerk in the game. I don't. I don't. I did not break the rules. Well, you might as you bent them to the point where they might as well have been broken. But I did not break them. I yeah. may have bent them to the point of structural failure, <laughs> but I did not break them. Um, but yeah. I was playing Noble, and I requested to take a feat to get the gamble skill as a class skill, mm-hmm. which he approved, which would later prove to be much to his chagrin. <laughs> because I, it became, a, it became such a thing for me that I achieved such a level, and my gamble skill became so high... That even if I rolled a one, the worst I could do was break even. Yeah. And every port of call we went to, whatever, whatever, whatever backhole planet we landed on that had a gambling den, I would take everything I owned, liquidate it into cash, and bet it all. I think you financed the entire rebellion. I don't believe. I don't know if I went that far, but after by the towards the last session, I believe I had one point nine billion credits. Yeah, it was pretty ridiculous. Um, and the other thing was you kept stacking fame feats as well, didn't you? I, I kept taking the famous uh, feat yeah. over and over. So also, my fame rating was higher than the emperor. <laughs> if that's not broken in the Star Wars game, I don't know what is, Tom. So you can he say allowing, it's not broken. He could have he could have said, you know, you can only take this feat X number of times. Yeah. But he didn't. But it's the gambling thing that really became kind of a tradition. Because every game afterwards, I made it my personal goal to find some effed up way to make money in the games. See, all I remember about the um, the Star Wars game myself is are a few things. Um, one, I, the only time I really remember using my Force uh, mind power, the, you know, the, the mind controller persuasion power, I don't know what it's called... It was the old Star Wars, not Star Wars Saga, Star Wars D20 Saga. Um, I convinced some scumbag, some Imperial soldier, that he had a urinary, urinary tract infection. And so this was during a fight, so he just bent over in pain. And uh, we didn't have to kill him. So I said, hey, I don't I don't deserve a dark side point. I saved his life. We are, and we argued for you. By giving him an imaginary urinary tract infection. And Those I was are the very best kind. Spe- I, I was very specific about what it was. I just said, you're sick. It was urinary tract infection. Um, 
Let's see what else. Oh, he, actually, I was the one who almost got killed because at one point at the end fight, like, oh, this guy does ninety damage. Oh, nineteen. Um, like, no, ninety. Yeah. Yeah. I thought he said 19, and 90 damage would have killed me all right, but Matt didn't want to kill me at that point because he wasn't as bloodthirsty as he was in later games. Uh, well, that was I think that was the first game he ever ran with us. He didn't know he didn't know us very well, did he? <laughs> and um, and to be honest, when looking at the rules, I, I used some force points, and I got enough dodge or defense to negate the attack, and that was the only time I was ever seriously threatened, so... Um, and then the other thing, of course, is with the blaster rifles. Oh my god, yes. Because that... if, if you're a Star Wars fan, you know all the stormtroopers have blaster rifles. And as like any Star Wars game, we killed lots and lots of stormtroopers. However, but we are at heart, we are D&D players. So we follow the rule, we always loot, loot the, the bodies. bodies. Always. And, uh, and by God, we did. Yes, we looted every single blaster rifle we could get our bloody hand bloody hands on and uh by the end of it um i remember at one point in the game it, it was it, a mutiny we had a mutiny yeah, we on had board a mutiny ship. on ship and uh we were disarmed so we were like uh oh we're, the man was like oh you don't have any weapons on you you're you're on your ship you think you're safe it's like no i grabbed a blaster rifle from where and so i every, was like yeah so like come anywhere on. like come I, on we have like this is the ship kind of ship where there's blaster rifles in the cupboard the refrigerator the coffee machine is a blaster rifle i mean there's a blaster rifle you know the tea makers at blaster rifle the laundry machine is made out of blaster rifles we have flour we have flowers in a vase that's a blaster rifle yeah every there was no place in the ship where we could we but we uh, actually figured it out by, by calculating how much space was in the ship and how many blaster rifles we had we figured out like how many cubic bla- how many blaster rifles we had per cubic foot of space in that ship and uh it, it was- got it got so severe that we eventually we wanted to craft a ship made out of blaster rifles and call it the blaster rifle <laughs> and my character's my jedi's goal was to make a blaster rifle factory and retire cuz the, the Jedi can do that. I mean, and just, just so you know, to this day, we still will just blurt out blaster rifle yeah. and laugh for about up to 10 yeah. seconds. Uh, so that, now you know that really uh, probably not funny joke to everyone other than us. But Yes, but ah, it was rifle. the gambling moment that also led to the fun in the other games he ran. Yeah. Because I made it my goal, as I mentioned before, to make uh, find a screwed up way to make money in every game he ran. <laughs> and I believe the next game that came up was the next game was the D&D game, I believe. Um, no, I think the top secret came, but the D and D game was the last one. Yes, it was. Okay. So yeah, the next game we did that was the top secret game where we were secret agents sent to, uh, sent to Mars to investigate. That was a sci-fi game. He was just using the top top secret rules are actually pretty neat. I I like them. Um, But I was playing, I was playing a, uh, doctor. Yeah. And yes, to be honest, no, he did not, I, he did not give us very much resources to work with. No, he wanted to make it hard for us. So, uh, so to help the group, the people we killed, I, I removed their organs and sold them on the black market. Yeah, you or like um, people, we bad guys we would capture and interrogate. Uh, you would then kill and extract their and organs. And freshly harvest their organs. Yeah, so that's how we would loot the bodies. We would literally just black market organs. And, and I, he got so... Matt, our GM, got so infuriated that he now said... All villains now have some kind of internal... Is it internal explosives? Yeah, they couldn't just eat a poison pill and kill themselves. They had to blow themselves up out of spite. Or it's it explosives and or acid. Yeah, something like that. But, <laughs> it was pretty funny, though. Just uh, uh, It was a good... Again, you bankrolled our entire group with yes, it. Yes, I did. Um, 
Let's and see. So. Then, then of course, there was the D&D game where I was playing uh, the druid who had the profession of herbalism, so he, he made himself a seller of recreational herbal drugs. Oh, yeah, you the drug dealer, yeah. That was uh, pretty fun. Uh, and we were, of course, the heroes of the realm, trying to save her from a big evil empire, blah, 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 blah. Totally not Lord of the Rings. Not at all. Not yeah, at no. all. Not at all. Um... I think it was called Seven Swords or something like that. Then we didn't actually finish that game, did we? No, we did. You did weren't we? there. Oh, that's right. I wasn't there. Yeah, you missed that last session where I just. It was again very easy. I burned off a limited wish, and there was a big fight at the end, and I was like, I was a wizard, and I didn't even lose any hit points, and yeah. I, again, the games were fun, but it was more just to hang out with the other players and to shoot the breeze, and also just to. Do really and say really stupid things. Well, it's good. You know, it's a good point. Like you, you cannot game with someone you can't hang out with. Yeah, yeah. You just can't do it. Yeah, always game with your friends. Don't be like, oh, I hate this guy, but he plays D and D. So yeah, yeah. Always only play with your friends. Don't don't play with someone you wouldn't be willing to be seen in public with. For the most part. For the most part. I mean, yeah. Anyways, um, so that's our second episode of RPPR. Uh, again, send us your feedback, comments. If there's any topics for a show you'd like to hear about, uh, hear us ramble on for uh, hours on end or whatever else, uh, we so, appreciate hey, it. Send send in your own gaming stories. We might, yeah, if they're pretty good. Oh, we, please do. If, please if, do. if they're any good, we'll, we might read them out on the Do you air. have any questions? Um, we'll be happy to answer them. Uh, and uh, again, um, as Grignor uh, would say, uh well, I don't know what he would say. He's a pretty enigmatic figure. So, anyways, that's it for our PPR. Uh, thanks, I'm for Ross tuning, thanks for tuning in, and we we need this. We we need the popularity. Actually, we don't. This is sort of for fun. The hell are you talking about? <laughs> okay, I need this. <laughs> right. I need to be loved. All right, thanks, Tom. Uh, I'm Ross Payton, and this I'm is... Tom Church. All right, peace. Peace out.